Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Magic Mike. Now, today in the hot seat, we have a, a special guest. You know, he's been in the industry for nine years. We have Barry Abrams. Welcome to my show, Barry. It's such a pleasure. Thank you for having me. So, Barry, could you tell us more about your show? The In The Gate podcast was a thoroughbred racing podcast that I hosted and produced on ESPN.com from February of 2012 until the end of last year, the end of 2020. And it was mainly a weekly show, mainly Q&A. Um, the reason that I started it actually had nothing to do with sports it mm -hmm. had nothing to do with horse racing and it had nothing to do with espn it had to do with voiceover that's i mean i've been an espn producer since 1992 i've been there for 28 and a wow. half years holy wow. man but um i finally figured out what i wanted to be when i grow up mm -hmm. which is a voice artist and right. Back in 2010, 2011, when I was researching the industry, I figured out that several big name voice artists were doing podcasts. And of course, mm -hmm. this was before everyone and his brother had a podcast. <laughs> there were podcasts out there. It, I wasn't the first by any means, but it wasn't what it is today. But I learned what this whole podcast thing was. And I said, okay, that's not a bad idea. That's serves two purposes one it's practice in front of the microphone mm -hmm. two it's something i can send out every week that says here's something that i'm doing while i still haven't been getting any jobs mm -hmm. you know it, nobody cares what i ate for dinner last night but if i can put out something that i'm doing related to my pursuit then that's a good thing so i said okay now i have a website where my samples are barryabramsvoice.com, which I still have, by the way, you're welcome mm -hmm. to go look at it. But I figured who's going there to look at a weekly podcast or a monthly podcast, or whatever I was going to do. I said, I work for a company that has the largest sports website in the country, in the United States. Could I get something there? Now I am not what we call talent, meaning an on-air person. Uh, that's as if the rest of us don't have talent. Mm -hmm. The only people that are called talent are those who are on the air. Yeah. But I said, we have people that do pot, you know, that, that do some sort of podcast. It was still a baby industry on baseball, football, American football, basketball, ice hockey, whatever. I said, they won't hire, they won't let me do anything like that. But I do have a passion for thoroughbred horse racing. I'm not a big mm -hmm. better, but I love the sport. Maybe they let me do that. So it took me about eight months to get myself in front of the right person. Wow. But I finally, because the whole department was not very well organized and nobody knew who I should talk to, whatever, but finally got in front of the right person and he doesn't work there anymore. I asked him the, about this idea and he said, eh, not a bad idea, but here's the thing. I can't give you any resources. I can't give you any personnel. You'd have to do it yourself. And in one of the proudest little moments of my career, I simply looked at him and said, great, where do I sign up? I can do that. And the guy literally jumped back in his chair wow. and his exact words to me, which I'll never forget to my dying day were, oh, 
I didn't think that would be your response. <laughs> and 484 shows later, there you go. But that was, oh, by the way, something that I often tell college students and people starting out that ostensibly they are concerned with getting their foot in the door, getting the job interview, getting the job. Oh, understandable. I always, however, go the other route and say, if you work hard, you'll naturally meet the right people and the door will open somewhere. Mm -hmm. You better be able to knock it down. And I'm not trying to equate what I did with Mark Zuckerberg inventing Facebook or something like that, but there was a goal. The door opened. I was able to go right in there because I've worked at ESPN. I know I have a wherewithal for not that I'm an expert audio editor. I'm not an expert video editor, but I can do it. I can mm -hmm. take Adobe Premiere or Avid Media Composer and edit, and I can take Adobe Audition or Audacity or Ocean Audio and edit. Uh, so I was ready to go. Now, um, that said, now we had to get it up and running. How are we going to do this? <laughs> All of a sudden, yeah. I, I said, okay, how are we going to do this? So I said, I have to have a test. I have to be able to go test this out. So this was like September 2011-ish, somewhere in there. Right, right. So in November, for the American holiday of Thanksgiving, we went to my wife's parents in the Fort Lauderdale area, and there's a racetrack, couple of them. There used to be a couple. Now there's one. And there was a jockey there who had won a Breeders' Cup race, the Breeders' Cup World mm -hmm. Championship that happens in November. So I said, you know, I'm going to take my father-in-law's car and go down to this racetrack and see if I can interview this jockey right. as a test, as a pilot. Yeah. So I did. Um, at that point, I also said, you know, I need to send this stuff out on social media. I'm not on social media. This yeah. is 2011. So at that time, when I mentioned it to someone at work, a, a trusted colleague, the colleague said, person who loves horse racing said, you know, you really need to be in touch with this big executive with the Breeders' Cup. He's a big mover and shaker. And I knew the name, but I didn't know the guy from Adam, right? Mm -hmm. So I sign up for Twitter Thanksgiving weekend, the last weekend of November of 2011, and interview. I, I, I sent out one tweet to nobody, right? Because I have no followers. I just signed up. Yeah. And it says, interviewing this jockey at such and such a track for a new podcast, blah, 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 blah. Two days later, that big executive was yeah. following me. Nice. And that's the power of social media, but it's also the power of ESPN, of having yeah. those four letters in there. So we started the podcast in February of 2012, and basically I did most of them in the confines of this booth in my home, which is really no wider than my shoulders. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I have... Uh, an Electra Voice RE20 microphone, the old radio standard, which a lot of podcasters and a lot of voice talent will scoff at. But for my voice and the processing I put on it, I think it's really nice. And I have a cloud lifter preamp to try to raise the 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 you know the level a little bit, as mm -hmm. well as of course an audio interface. Um, but I think it sounds pretty good. And I may not be a full-blown audio engineer, but I've been at ESPN for 28 and a half years. I have some idea of what good audio is. Yeah. And 
I think it's pretty good. But be that as it may, I used Skype mm-hmm. because really only looking for audio, not mm-hmm. video. Video would have been way too hard to do every week. And that's the thing with a podcast, as I'm sure you've run into in speaking yeah. with other people. It's what can you sustain yeah. in terms of both the content, something about which you can speak authoritatively, and the ability to crank it out because I didn't, I don't get, I never got paid for that podcast. It effectively, I was implement, I was using a concept that now is a buzzword. It wasn't then. And that's content marketing. Okay. Content marketing, meaning, um, let's say you have a child getting ready to go to college. Mm -hmm. So you go to a, seminar in person, you know, back when you could do those things about how to pay for college. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So the person is going to give you a one hour yickety yak talk. And if you, you know, obviously wants you to sign up for their big expensive services, even if you don't sign up for those, you're probably going to get an hour's worth of information you can use. And that's content marketing. So for me, the podcast was always about voiceover marketing myself as a voiceover as well as an expert in the particular subject matter and so that was that was my thing and so i said all right i'm not going to just sit here and talk for 45 minutes we're going to make a q and a i'll intro the person and hopefully write something clever to do as an introduction and we'll have a guest and we'll have an analyst and we'll talk about topical issues and then i would always end the podcast with a one-minute commentary that I did as a four-stanza poem, a one-minute four-stanza poem. Uh, And that would wrap it up like a final take. And the podcast would normally go 30, 35 minutes. Mm -hmm. I would interview them here from my studio by Skype. If we needed more than one person to make it a conference call, this was before Zoom, Uh, we had at ESPN a contract with a company that could do conference calls. So I would just give everybody the conference call information and we'd all call in and, Mm -hmm. you know, from, even from other countries, we, we interviewed people from Europe and Japan and Korea and whatever. And so that all worked smoothly. And then, um, I, on Skype, when I had, like, if you talk to somebody right now on Skype, I don't even know if anyone uses that now with Zoom and other <laughs> platforms available, but be that as it may, if I had my audio interface and microphone hooked up, mm-hmm. my audio would come out on one channel and theirs would come out on the other so yep. that if we stepped on each other, I could edit that and it worked fine. Mm-hmm. If you were to call someone on Skype and not have an interface hooked up, by usb into your computer then everything would get mixed to one channel yep and then you'd be at the mercy of however whether you stepped on somebody and you couldn't do anything about it but it was really good we get i from skype i'd get wave files that i could download at at first i had to have a third party Uh, add-on to skype called call recorder it's made by a company called ecamm yeah ecamm so i i had call recorder and that worked brilliantly. That's where I would get the wave files individually. Mm. Uh, that worked well. Now with Zoom, um, I would use that. And again, um, 
I don't think you could get split audio, but what you could do and what I did at the end of the, the run of the podcast was I would have Zoom mm-hmm. and I would only record audio for Zoom, but I would also record my microphone into my digital audio workspace, whether it be Adobe Audition or Audacity, right, right. Or whatever I was using. So I would ha- still have myself on another channel. And then, you know, if I stepped on the guest, we'd have to figure that out. But yeah. At least I had two separate channels mm-hmm. and, you know, I throw a little music in there, maybe some race calls and things like that. And there was a podcast and I could do it every week. And, you know, it was sometimes tough to sustain. And then of course, if I went on the road mm-hmm. from my day job, my day job is producing TV feature stories. Mm-hmm. But if I happen to have to go to Pasadena, California to do a football story, well, Santa Anita racetrack is right up the road. <laughs> so I'd go in the morning and interview a trainer and then I'd go to my day job. And I yeah. did that several times because there's no substitute for interviewing somebody in person, as you know, but I could, the, 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 uh, the corporate term I think is creating efficiencies. (laughs) I used to like to create efficiencies where I could, I had no budget for the podcast, but if I could go somewhere on the company dime to do something else and still slide an interview in there, yeah, why not? And I always knew where my people were located and Hey, if I have to go to Chicago, I know somebody I could interview there and, if I have to go to Florida, I know somebody I can interview there and, you know, tried to make it work. It was a lot of fun. And, and uh, you know, I, I, I love doing it. It was actually the most fun I had all week. You know, it's quite interesting how you're using, you know, the term just now you used to using a podcast to promote the voiceover talent, the voiceover geek that you're trying to see, you know. And not that's only that, quite, that's actually quite interesting. Not only that, uh, I the podcast also pretty much unlocked the mm. issue I had with not being able to find uh, voiceover work. What do I mean by that? So I started the podcast in February 2012. Mm-hmm. I had been looking for voiceover jobs for four years, mm-hmm. not even so much as a nibble. How bad could I be? I mean, I'm not a Shakespearean trained actor, but good Lord, how bad could I be? That was February. In June of 2012, there was a racehorse who was going for the American Triple Crown. His mm-hmm. name was I'll Have Another. He had won the Kentucky Derby. He had won the Preakness. Those are the first two legs. The Belmont Stakes, the first weekend of June, is the last mm-hmm. one. So uh, one of my colleagues was doing a TV story on the jockey of that horse. And he asked me if I could go to Belmont Park, which is about an hour drive from my house in New York, and interview the owner. And mm-hmm. I went, Oh my God, how great is that? Like ESPN is actually paying for me to go interview the owner. Yeah. And yeah, I'm going to ask this guy's questions primarily, but. I'll execute the interview in the form of a podcast and I'll be able to post it. How great is that for a brand new podcast? And I have the owner of the horse of the moment. This is great. So the camera crew we used were people I knew very well. We'd used them before many times. And I said to the audio operator, here's what I want you to do. Split the signal coming out of your mixer, one to the camera and one to my computer so that Mm -hmm. I have it in ready to wear form to post as a podcast. 
So he did. We finished the interview. Now we have to check it. So we check the camera. Camera's audio's great. That obviously allowed me to keep my job. Then I went to look at my computer and I could barely hear it. Oh no. What happened? We're checking cables. We're checking everything. What happened? Now, I'd at that point been working at ESPN for 20 years. Mm -hmm. I'd seen quite a bit. I had made a, quite a few mistakes. But what I didn't know was that TV audio is mm -hmm. different from podcast audio. TV audio peaks at about minus 20 dB. Podcast audio, which is minus basically radio six. audio, peaks at minus six, maybe. Yeah. And this guy was set up for TV and my DAW was set up for TV. And furthermore, all right, as a producer by trade, as you are, mm -hmm. whenever I would produce a television feature at ESPN, I would scratch track it. So we had something with which to edit and then the reporter or whatever uh, news host we were using to voice it would come in at the end and just voice the last one. We didn't have to waste that person's time. Well, you never know who's listening, right? So I would always ask the editor, mm -hmm. how does it sound? And he would say, you sound great. You sound like a professional announcer for TV. And as soon as I realized right. that my audio levels were not good, of course, I figured out how to fix them. And the next voiceover job for which I applied, I got. Now, again, I'm still not a Shakespearean trained actor, but that wasn't what was the problem. And I would never have known that had I not started the podcast. And if I never executed another podcast after that fifth month I've been doing it, the first year, if I never did another one, I still would be okay because that was the problem. And only right. because I put myself in a position to figure it out, did I figure it out. Yeah. So that was a huge, uh, a huge piece that that podcast provided. And of course, mic time. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know. Everybody's different. But to me, this sucker right here is a huge mental obstruction. Mm -mm. You sit in front of this microphone and you feel like you have to sound like an announcer. Mm -hmm. you, it's just a mental block that you can't help but see this thing looking you right down the barrel and you feel like you have to talk into it and sound authoritative. It takes a very long time mm -hmm. to be able to sit here as I am now with you and just talking to you. It's not as easy as it looks. And so the podcast was practice. Yeah. If nothing else, it was practice to just sit here and practice speaking extemporaneously as you and I are now and to mm -hmm. interview people and to learn how to read what I've written as an introduction and have that sound natural and not mm -hmm. like I'm reading it. Um, and so the podcast was hugely beneficial for all of those reasons. And I still miss it. <laughs> <laughs> so, very, what has been your challenge as a podcaster? You know, you've been doing podcasting for nine years. 
Well, the first, sure challenge, the first telling people what it was, you know, <laughs> at the beginning, I just said, it's a radio interview. You can click to listen on, on the internet whenever you want. Oh, okay. Okay. Nobody knew what it was mm-hmm. when we first started. Then the, the, the challenge now is to break through the clutter. I mean, there are so many. And if you really wanted to make money with it, which was never really my intention, but if it was, then, oh boy, there's only a few that break through the clutter and can make any bit of money. You have to be Joe Rogan or Howard Stern or or somebody like that. So that is a huge challenge that now everyone and his brother has a podcast. Um, I like to think it's because of me, but you know... That's really a huge challenge. And and not only that, um, another challenge is keeping it tight. See, when Mm -hmm. I produce either feature stories or shows for television, we have to get off off the air on time. So you really have to tighten. You come up with your first draft and you tighten, tighten, tighten. Mm -hmm. And what results is a really tight, fast moving content that keeps people's attention. You don't have that urgency with podcasts. And so I always tried to keep mine to 30 minutes. I usually had two guests that each went between 10 to 12 minutes. Mm -hmm. And I've heard those same people on other podcasts interviewed for like an hour. And I can't listen to that. I can't. It's too much. Who's listening to that? You're probably listening to a podcast on your commute to or from work, you know, back when you could actually go into your office. Um, And so most people's commutes are not longer than 40 minutes at the most, Mm -hmm. you know? So that's the challenge is keeping it tight, keeping everything relevant that people are going to listen from start to finish. So if, okay, let me, Put this out this way. If you had this one, two, one app, you know, the challenges you just shared with me, if there's this one magical tool or magical app that can help you solve this challenge, what would it be? It's the acronym called WAIT. Why am I talking? I think about that all the time. Why am I talking? And that's, you really need to just edit yourself if you're a home podcaster, to keep yourself tight and relevant. Uh, also, I mean, if you're working from home, as so many are during the pandemic, it's so easy to get lazy with anything, whether it's your day job or a podcast or whatever. You have to be able to sustain this, whether it's every week, twice a month, every month, whatever you deem to be sustainable. You have to sustain it. You can't wake up a week later and say, "Eh, you know, maybe I think I'll try to throw a show together. You have to come out, whatever your schedule is, you have to become appointment listening to your audience or you're going to fade away. There are too many podcast options. There are too many other entertainment options that if you don't make it appointment listening, you're coming out on Wednesday, you're coming out on Tuesday, you're coming out Tuesday and Thursday, whatever you do, you have to be you have to operate with a sense of urgency and it's just so hard to do, especially when you work from home. 
Uh, that's never been my problem, but I, I know it is for a lot of people. And so you have to just keep it tight, keep it relevant, keep it urgent. I think I think the consistency part is really needed in that sense. It's it's really key. If you're, if you're going to produce on a daily basis, you have to keep it. Day. You know, I, I've seen pot fade happen because consistency um, starts fading away. So, you know, podcasters, they stop producing shows. I mean, honestly, this has been very interesting 25 minutes. And, and you know, the experience that you, it shows, uh, experience actually speaks a lot for a podcaster. It shows that, you know, how in this nine years as a podcasting, um, podcasting host, you actually put in a lot of effort. You put in through the same processes. You you know, even making use of the opportunities, you have a day job, yes, but making use of the opportunities to, you know, get an interview out of that. See, that's the I hustle mean, of the other thing about it is you have to be persistent. Yes. For example, uh, I had, I, I wanted to make sure that my supervisor at work when we started this knew I was doing it, you know. I wasn't getting paid for it, but I needed the person to know what I was doing just because, you know, when I brought it up, what I was told was, you know, doesn't matter how many of these you're going to do. It's not in your job description and you're not going to get a raise because of it, blah, 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 blah. Now, it would be very easy to walk out of a meeting like that, resentful, yeah. scornful, yeah. and other words that we probably shouldn't pronounce. All I walked out of there was, well, she didn't say no. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's that's the opportunity. Opportunity, you know, like it, it's that mentality. It's a very it's a it's a mentality thing. It's really up um, in our heads that what is the positive outcome out of, the, out of this? Like even grabbing the opportunity, it is grabbing, knocking down the doors. Like what do you say? Podcasting, knocking down the doors. Right. And you have to, you know, again, the podcast ended in December of 2020. Mm -hmm. ESPN decided to go in a different direction. And that's showbiz, especially in the podcast world where everything is so, uh, it's still in a nascent stage. It's still developing mm -hmm. and maturing. And so as is with any showbiz venture here today, gone tomorrow. But in terms of being persistent, I thought to myself, okay, what do I do after that? And the thing is, it was going to end at some point because if I decide to become a full-time voice talent mm -hmm. to try to get enough work to do that, we haven't gotten there yet, then I couldn't take this podcast with me. It's ESPN intellectual property, yeah. understandably. Mm -hmm. So it was going to end at some point. We all just would like to retire rather than be fired. Mm -hmm. So I had to confront myself and say, all right, what are we going to do now? And I was very torn about this, Bharat, because on the one hand, as I mentioned, this was about content marketing. This was about voiceover. It wasn't about thoroughbred racing. It wasn't about sports. It wasn't about ESPN. Mm -hmm. But the journalist in me, mm -hmm. the one that still believes in all those Pollyanna-ish virtues of journalism that seem to be eroding with every minute in this society. I still enjoyed the idea of holding truth to power, of independent reporting, of 
reporting on the sport in general. There's so little media out there nowadays that reports on thoroughbred racing and those that do often have ties to the industry and therefore potential conflicts of interest. ESPN has nothing to do with horse racing anymore. We did, but we don't. And so anything I do is basically independent. I have no ties. And I like that too. And so I said, okay, do I try to do this kind of thing on my own or not? And I spent most of the weeks at the, the two weeks at the end of December, the end of the year thinking long and hard about how to do, what do I do? What's worth my time? Considering I don't get paid for the podcast, but it's content marketing. And so I hope still to find a place that is interested enough to do thoroughbred racing that I could reprise what I was doing. But I said, no, 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 that is not. And it hurt me to say this, believe me. But I said, that's not the best use of time. Mm -hmm. It's just not. The best use of time is to do what I get paid for. And I am doing a lot of audio books. I've done over 50 of them. And I'm trying to get work doing e-learning, you know, mm -hmm. like uh, online compliance training and, and things like that. So I said, that's what I get paid to do. But if I take my hand out of the thoroughbred world right now, it's going to be way too hard to get back into it because people are going to forget who, who I am. Mm -hmm. So I said, here's what we're going to do. I am going to do a daily, I don't know if you can see this, a daily one minute commentary. Like I said, I did at the end of my old podcast in the gate. And so I call it the far turn. Okay. And I do it every day, every weekday. It's a one minute poetic commentary. Now I do it as video, not audio. Mm -hmm. And I post it on my social media channels, uh, Twitter at B Abrams voice, Facebook at Barry Abrams voice, LinkedIn, where you found me, Barry Abrams and on Instagram, B Abrams voice. And so that takes me about 20 minutes to write and about 15 minutes to record and edit on mm -hmm. iMovie. It's very simple, mm -hmm. but I can sustain that every day kind of keeps me vaguely in the thoroughbred space, even though I'm not reaching out to people and interviewing them, but at least it kind of keeps my hand in the game. It's mm -hmm. easily done. I can write it in the car. I can write it on the chiropractor's table. I can write it anywhere, you know, and it doesn't interfere with a lot of the day. So for now, that's good enough. Mm -hmm. uh, hopefully somewhere the opportunity will arise to reprise this because I do enjoy it. And I think it's important to report on the sport, as I say, as an independent voice and to hold truth to power and things like that. Uh, but, you know, for now, at least it, it keeps my hand in the game. Creating sustainability. I think, I think that's the key takeaway from this conversation, to be very honest. Like, we've come to the end Barry it's like I, I didn't even know time flies so fast like it's it's you know we could have a part two part three part four it's it's so interesting you know how podcasters are actually what are the challenges you're going through what are the things that you know you went through what how how you actually sort of knocked on doors how you broke down doors that's that's it is the opportunity grabbing the opportunity I think i'll never forget if i live to be ten thousand years old uh, i used to be very friendly with uh the sons of one of the people at my religious institution mm -hmm. and he was in college mm -hmm. and i asked him what he was doing 
because I know he wanted to be a play-by-play sports announcer. Mm-hmm. And he said, well, the the people who used to be seniors at the college who have graduated basically came back and kicked us students out and they're calling all the basketball games. Okay. And I said, oh, so you kind of just took that? He said, yeah, what was I supposed to do? And I said, well, let me ask you a question. Do you have a laptop? Yeah. I said, do you have a cell phone? Yeah. I said, by chance, do you have a personal hotspot on that cell phone? That's when personal hotspots were becoming Mm -hmm. a thing. He says, yeah, I do. I said, oh, really? So what's to stop you from spending a couple hundred bucks on a microphone to run into your laptop, get a press credential from your sports information director, and go call the games on a website on the internet? And I'd put a sign all over the campus saying, this is the only place you can hear a student broadcast of these games. Mm-mm. As a final question, Barry, I ask this to all the guests that come on the show. What did you have for breakfast this morning? Oh, I graze. I don't have a full breakfast. I have a, a, a Bosque pear. I have yogurt and apple at various points through the morning. You're not supposed to have a big meal. You're supposed to just graze. Maybe a little oat bran cereal dry. Just take a couple of handfuls out of the cereal box. Just graze through the morning. That's the right way to eat. You obviously don't know how heavy I used to be as a kid. Wonderful. Awesome. Barry, this has been very insightful. This has been very enjoyable. And, you know, I hope the listeners um, enjoy listening to this show as well. I hope you had a great time being on Magic Mike, Barry. Oh, I could do this anytime, Barat. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you.